friends, how's it going? Zig coming in at the top of the interview. Today, I have Brandon Postman. Brandon Postman is one of the most innovative and active musicians I know. He, um, as of now, he's doing a virtual mic night that happens every Tuesday at 8 p.m., as well as running the Postman Press, his own, like, zine, in which he writes reviews on albums he's listened to and shows that are happening. Now it would be streams. Brandon is also playing virtual shows May 15th with Leah Mara. You're going to see here in this interview a lot of overlap with Leah and Brandon's musical journey because they're both from Chardon and they both grew up in the same scene. And they both did a lot with Love Fest. And Love Fest is happening June 27th digitally now. It's going to be a virtually streamed concert. There's going to be live music, art, um, vendors, and raffles. Another thing to plug for Brandon is he is doing 8-bit versions, remix, 8-bit remixes of whatever. So if you want a custom 8-bit remix, hit him up on his um, Facebook. I, all the links are, are um, tagged onto the interview here. I'm going to play a bit of one of his songs. This is a song called Say. Just say what you want to say. Song. All right, friends. Um, 
If you hear anything you like, if you can like, subscribe, comment, rate, review the podcast on any of the podcast platform, it helps us get the artist's voice heard and puts the podcast where it needs to be so those voices can be heard. Without further ado, Brandon Postman. At the Gig Podcast, I'm hanging out with Brandon Postman. How's it going, my friend? Pretty good. How you doing? Not bad. How's quarantine been? Uh, pretty all right. You know, just uh, hanging out, making music, playing Animal Crossing and Tetris. And nice. That's definitely that's all you need. For, Animal Crossing came out at the right time for all this. Like, as far as like the quarantine's concerned, that was like on par. I don't have a Switch. I'm actually playing uh, the GameCube version. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I stopped by my parents' house to pick up some stuff. And uh, ended up finding all my old memory cards from my old villages. Yeah. So uh, I picked up that first village that my sisters and I created in 2002. We got this game for Christmas with our GameCube on day one. And yeah. uh, and so I booted it up, picked all the weeds, and <laughs> now I'm uh, slowly you know, paying off my incredible debt to Tom Nook and... <laughs> Making it a perfect town. Got to get that gold max. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) Oh, man. Dude, the GameCube, okay, I don't know if it was just a generation thing, but for me, that was the system. Like, after GameCube, I didn't really play video games. Like, I was, like, super hip to Smash, um, the GameCube version of Budokai, and uh, (laughs) Luigi's Mansion. What was it? Sonic Adventure 2. Like, I've never played it, but I've heard really, really good things yeah, about it. That was, that was, I was so obsessed with that game. Like, I did everything you possibly could in it. And I uh, think I might have it, actually. It's a good game. So, You're getting quarantined uh, time to do it. Yeah, I'm really glad about two years ago, I went on a, I, I became a hacker. Nice. Uh, I had a lot of video game consoles laying around, and I was yeah. like, well, you know, these are fine, but. How cool would that be if I could hack them? <laughs> so uh, I hacked my Wii so that, for one thing, I wanted to back up all my games. Yeah. Uh, you know, games get destroyed or lost, and by backing them all up, I don't lose them. Same thing, I was carrying around my Game Boy bag, my, my DS bag, and one day I did the math, and I realized I had like $500 worth of games in it. So if I leave that at the bar, then that's not going to be a good evening for me. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I grabbed this thing. This is a Nintendo 2DS. And, it's and I, uh, I have a, a custom firmware installed on it so that I was able to back up all my games and all my saves. And I can carry them around. And, you know, I still got the games. Yeah. But now I don't have to carry around $500 worth of gear to play Pokemon. It's all in the uh, I just carry around this like fifty dollar Nintendo two DS. Dude. So how did getting it how what inspired you that hack the idea of hacking? Like, cause that's such a like it's a vast thing, and I don't think there's a clear this is how you do it. You know what I mean? The computer is such a useful tool and it's so manipulative. You can do so much stuff learning to talk that language, but that's not something you can just like pick up on. Like I don't at least yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is. So there were kind of two things that inspired me to do it. One was that um, I had this little case that had all my Pokemon games in it. And one day it went missing and my dad found it 
when he plowed the driveway, oh. it was buried under four feet of snow in Chardon. Yeah. And I opened it up. All my games were a block of ice. Uh-huh. So I, I used a hair dryer. I thawed them all out. I put them in rice overnight. I booted them up the next day. All my games worked and all my save files were still there. Oh, there was some tension. I got lucky and I don't count on getting that lucky again. So that's why I did this so that I could back up all my saves. Because, you know, I love Pokemon, the whole franchise, and I put a lot of hours in these games, and I, you know, my Pokemon are are like pets to me. I love them. So I didn't want to lose them. So that was one of the reasons I did this. And the other reason was the one I'm using this Game Boy for the most right now, which is I heard about LSDJ. Great name. It's a, in the (laughs) 90s. Yeah, in the 90s, this genius named Johan Kotlinski uh, created a Game Boy game called LSDJ, and it is a it is a Game Boy music production suite. You can use the Game Boy's built-in four-channel audio channels to uh, to make music, program the notes, and do oh, anything cool. that you know anything within the reason of your Game Boy's four little channels. But I had heard about this, and I was listening to 8-bit music, and I said, I want to try doing this. And so I hacked this thing. I downloaded LSDJ from Johan Kutlinski's website for one cent. And uh, thanks, Johan. (laughs) And uh, I installed LSDJ on this DS so that I could be out you know if i was out and about you know i'm riding the bus or i'm waiting for my food uh at a restaurant then i could sit down with my game boy and start working on music so now that quarantines come around you know i realized you know i want to fill out my sound usually i'm in a band the lab techs and usually i got my bassist ryan my drummer clayton behind me and that fills it out pretty well but i don't have them here and I don't have a loop pedal. And I was like, how am I going to fill out the rest of the frequencies? And it occurred to me, I'm going to use my Game Boy to do it. That's awesome. So now, for my recent shows, I've been making backing tracks of a bunch of my songs. So pretty much all of my album Beakers, which you can find on Spotify, uh, I've pretty much done the whole album as 8-bit versions. And I just play guitar and sing over the backing tracks and uh, i've done some covers one of my favorites uh i'm doing vegetables by the beach boys nice i've wanted to cover that song forever solid and it's super beach fun boys song that no one gives enough attention to yeah and it's fun because <laughs> you know before i play it i tell everyone who's listening hey you have homework while i'm playing this song and it's to post in the comments the name of your favorite vegetable <laughs> and awesome. i've gotten i've gotten a lot of vegetable comments on my facebook live videos <laughs> another one of my covers that i'm doing is the hamster dance which oh, i've always awesome. wanted to cover and it's you know it's actually one of the most complex guitar licks that i've ever learned yeah and as i'm playing it my thoughts are like man i'm becoming a pretty good guitarist and this is what i'm choosing to use it for this is awesome <laughs> That makes sense, though, because it's there's a lot of in like any electronic music, there's a lot of finite things purposely placed in particular spots. 
So, yeah. and even doing this like roundabout way of re uh, reharmonizing it and re uh, recomposing it into a Game Boy is really cool. Like, mm-hmm. and the fact that that one that program's free is insane. That's sick. Um, yeah, practically free. He asked for a one cent donation okay. or more. Or one more. of these days, I'm gonna go to Johan's website and throw him like five hundred bucks once this thing uh, starts paying me well. But uh, I think that's a. Yeah, really- I've been. Thinking how I can use this to to try to make a buck here in quarantine, and so I'm going to start offering eight uh, bit remixes of local oh, musicians' awesome. tracks, uh, and you know I'll have them send me whatever you know their single that they're going to be putting out as a precursor to the album on Spotify. They can attach an eight bit version right along with it. Yeah, and that's a that'll, great idea. Yeah, so I think there's a a market of people who like eight bit music. And there's a market of people who like local music, and I think that could help to bring them together. For sure. Here, if I got this set up right, I can give you a little sample. Yeah, that'd be sick. Let's see. I'll, I'll manage. Is it working? Uh, no, I'm not hearing it. Oh, okay. Maybe if I uh, crank it. Maybe. Uh, I thought I had uh, the thing set up right, but uh, let's see. No. Uh, uh, it's not giving me the option. Oh well. That's all right. You have to go to the site, friends, to, to check it out or hit Brandon up for a custom remix. When you Yeah, I, I can just do it this way. Check this okay. out. That's awesome. It's wherever I go. No shit. Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Just started working on that today. Yeah, that's am- <laughs> all right. At the end of this, let's catch up about that because that's cool as fuck. All right, yeah. Definitely. I also did uh, a couple days ago. I did a uh, remix of Sean Brewster has been doing his Beard and the Brew morning radio show. Yeah. One of these days, he's gonna have an eight bit version of his theme song playing, and that's, that's me. Hey, that's so cool, man! What a good like. You you've always inspired me this way. You've always been innovative about something in a lane I've never seen anyone do. Like even with like right now, you're doing a lot of mic nights and you're hitting up people around the world. And, like, when I was, uh, we were t- talking a little bit earlier before the podcast, and, like, I hopped on Megan's to um, to check it out. And it, to me, that was a really moving experience to see everybody again and everyone sharing. There's this these people from out of the state. And then, like, it hit me then hearing about what you, you were doing, playing with people around the world. And I was like, this is sick. It's such a cool yeah. thing. And, like, and I... Even with like, and with the Postman Press, like no one's really writing their own like zine in the way it's it's more of a zine, not more than a zine. But you've always found like really cool ways to like do your thing in ways that other people aren't. And that's always inspired me because it's always been 100 percent you and you're never like stopped. You're always into something else like this 8-bit thing is so sick. Like that is yeah, awesome. I'm- psyched about the 8-bit thing but here yeah let me talk a little bit about those things yeah uh, it's kind of a la- i kind of want to step back too and but let's plug that and then i want to talk about where this guitar fell into your hands yeah here first i'll talk about uh uh the postman press uh if you don't know i write a newsletter about the cleveland local music scene uh, i started writing it in august of 2018 I was massively depressed and I'd just gotten back from a big stupid road trip around America. And, uh, I just wanted to dig into my local music scene. You know, I thought I was going to go out to California and just stay there. But once I got out there, I realized how much I love evergreen forests 
and that there are zero of those in California. Everything's just burned to a crisp. (laughs) So once I got to Cali, I stayed for a week and I was like, I'm going home. And I got home and I just wanted to focus on the local scene. So I started writing a one page scene, the Postman Press, my newsletter. And uh, it's always got a list of upcoming shows for the month. And it's always got uh, little features plugging what other people are doing. I always talk a little bit about myself, but uh, I print it out on eight and a half by 11 standard printer paper, fold them up, carry them around in my little Game Boy bag and hand them out for free at shows just to try to generate uh, people coming out to my shows and going out to the shows that I want to go to. And it's gotten me some new fans and it's gotten some of my friends some new fans. I love when I hear somebody say, oh, I joined your email list and found out about this show and now I'm here. That's I'm like, awesome. yes. And your email list people can find at? Uh, profpostman.com. Prof, like professor. Nice, nice. A Pokemon joke, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really like alliteration, so Prof Postman, Postman Press. Uh, yeah, makes sense. All the P. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, where'd you start on that road trip? If California was the, kind of the end, you just started here and, like, did you go south and up, or did you just go straight across? Yeah, so uh, I had, in the summer of 2017, I took a couple trips out to Nashville. Yeah. Uh, I went down in May. And I went there with a purpose. Uh, I was intending to see the solar eclipse in August. And I wanted to scope out some spots to find find a good spot where we get as much totality as possible. So I scoped out a couple spots and then uh, went back in August and saw it. So I had some friends down in Nashville. And in 2018, when I was working as a... uh, as a math tutor at Lakeland community college. And when summer came around, uh, I, I had been rejected by this girl and, uh, in a couple months before. And so I was just a wreck and I was like, screw it. I've always wanted to travel. I'm just going, I'm just going. And, uh, so I woke up, uh, I stayed until mother's day. That was on Sunday. Yeah. On Monday morning, I woke up at 9am. I said, I'm going to Nashville. I booked an Airbnb at 9 a.m. and I was in my Airbnb by 9 p.m. Nice. And I stayed in Nashville for a week. Uh, I have fun down in Nashville and uh, made some made some more new friends. Crashed on their couch for a couple of those days. Nice. And then said, "All right, well, I'm gonna start going west. Let's uh, so let's just, just explore." Okay. So at first, I drove to uh, St. Louis. I stayed there just long enough to see the Cardinals play, which was really cool because they were playing the Phillies that day. And that season, Carlos Santana was a Philly. So I got to see one of my favorite Cleveland Indians play in a different jersey. And I got a seat on the far reaches of the first base side. So I was out there with my binoculars watching Carlos go. And he had a couple good plays that day. So St. Louis... Uh, And then I headed to Kansas. I've got some family in Kansas that I visited. Um, My grandmother, her sister lives out there. And my grandmother passed away a couple years back. And when I met her sister out there, her cooking was a lot like my grandma's. So I felt very at home. 
And uh, so I stayed there for like four days and then uh, headed to Boulder, Colorado, where my friend Omar was staying at the time. What up, Omar? Yeah. Yeah, Omar's cool. Yeah, Omar's Omar's awesome. So I hung out in Boulder for a couple days and played uh, down on a corner on Pearl Street. A lot of the trip was funded by playing guitar on street corners. Wow. I didn't start with a whole lot of money. Yeah. And I finished with zero. But most of the gas money was all stuff people gave me on street corners. And Boulder was the best street corner I found on the whole road trip. Yeah, I've heard so, a couple uh, people talk about the Boulder busking scene and just how they have, like, music everywhere. It was Boulder and Denver that they said there was, like, a, a crazy, like, busking scene. And, like, I don't know, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that, Boulder was very nice to me. Like, the, 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 just so far, the expansion of this trip and, like, each spot being able to play and just meet people and just absorb the moment type thing is pretty, like, yeah. profound. And, you know, I stayed in... I was out on the road for five weeks. I spent one night in a hotel, which nice. was in Denver on the way back. Every other every other place I stayed was, you know, I didn't sleep in the car until I got to California. Yeah. Uh, and I stayed at a rest stop outside San Francisco. Uh, sketchy. Not a good yeah. idea. But uh, everywhere else, I stayed with friends. So after Boulder, I stayed with... Uh, a girl I dated in high school, I went and visited her in Logan, Utah, which is beautiful and very Mormon. <laughs> and then from there, I headed to Oregon, where uh, our friend Ashley Price, she was living out there at the time. So I stayed with her for, uh, you know, Twisted Healing. She makes uh, jewelry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm yeah, like, I stayed I with her. Name. She was just learning how to... Uh, how to do the wire wraps that she's selling now. That's so awesome. I I got to watch her do some of her earliest work, and it was really cool. I stayed there for quite a while in the Portland area. Um, for one, because I was playing on street corners there, and it was all right. And for another, because I ran out of money and needed to play on street corners. <laughs> so then I scrounged up enough cash to leave uh, by working some odd jobs, and uh, headed south and ended up staying in California for a total of a week. Uh, pretty much the first two days were on the road to San Francisco. I spent a day busking down by the Fisherman's Wharf, which was pretty good. Yeah. And then um, got enough to head to Los Angeles. And I always wanted to visit Los Angeles. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the doors. Nice. So I wanted to get down to Venice Beach. And see the thing. And see where see where jim and ray met and uh and i had a buddy who was living down there uh, my friend elliot bokeri uh, i went to high school here in chardon with him and then he ended up moving out to la uh, where his brother was living and uh i kept telling him you know every time he came home i had to tell him you know next time i see you it's going to be in la and i wanted to make that true and finally, I did. I went down to L.A. That's awesome. And you know what the first thing was that we did when I got to his house? was uh, We watched the Indians game together. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool. That's awesome. Elliot was always riding his bicycle from Chardon out to the Indians games. So he's wow. a big super fan. Whoa, whoa. That's a hike from Chardon? That is a bike? hike, yeah. Because Chardon to Cleveland is yeah. about an hour. So that's a two-hour bike ride. 
Like, yeah, maybe more. Like, I'm I'm thinking highway too. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. Usually he'd have uh he'd have somebody come out to the game. You know, his dad yeah. went to a lot of those games too, and his dad would drive there and then throw his car or throw his bike in the back of his car for the way back. Oh, that's cool. Uh, but sometimes he'd go to an afternoon game, ride there, watch the game, and ride back. Jeez, that's awesome. That's like, awesome. The dedication to do that and the fate. That's that's rad. So okay, so you you guys meet up and you're watching this Indian the Indians in California. Was that kind of like the start of like the call to go home type deal, or was like that like like after being there for a week and seeing? It's weird. I've talked to a few people who have kind of gone on these ventures far out from home, and it's always brought them back, even like yeah, distance and like really, mentally. When I started feeling homesick was the stretch between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Um, I stopped by a couple of national forests because yeah. I was planning on doing some camping. So the first one I got to, uh, I got there, set up my camp. There was, was a lot of other people camping out there too. I got there, set up my camp, got comfy. It was just about to smoke a bowl. Literally had the lighter in my hand. Yeah. And uh, it's legal out there. Bobby. And uh, and this park ranger truck comes pulling over and a lady rolls down her window. I peek my head out of my car and she's like, hey, uh, we're evacuating the park because uh-huh. there is a forest fire coming up over the ridge. You can leave your stuff and come back. Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, no. A- so I packed everything back up yeah left and stayed at a rest stop that night so that was kind of the first off-putting moment in yeah. california where i was like this isn't all it was cracked up to be that sounds and, terrifying <laughs> yeah and then i went to another national forest i went to mendocino which was also dry barren a lot of big rolling hills with these roads carved right into the side of them and uh I was trying to find this campsite and ended up off-roading. Uh, I was taking my, Whoa. I was driving this 2000 Chevy Blazer, 18-year-old uh, car at the time yeah, with about 95,000 miles on it. And uh, I was taking it over these freaking dirt bike ramps and uh, forded a stream with it. Uh, <laughs> Did I got to a point where I realized if I didn't turn around, I was never going back. So yeah. I turned around and stayed in a rest stop that night. That was the same day as uh, I got ke- uh, kicked out of the campsite for gotcha. the fire. Jeez. So those couple experiences, I was like, man, this wouldn't happen in Ohio. Yeah. Forest fires aren't a thing out there right now. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so that kind of got me ready to go home. And then a couple days busking on Venice Beach helped me yeah. want to go because it was really crowded. And a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people, that's all they do. Yeah. So they have setups and they have cones set up so you can't steal mm. their spot. Jeez. And so yeah, California wasn't everything I wanted it to be. So I headed home really fast after that. Gotcha. And bus- how, busking on the way up there seems like it was pretty decent though and pretty it sounds like it, they they were open to a guy out of town floating through being able to play and make some change yeah nashville's pretty okay especially if you can catch the end of a predators game especially if you can catch the end of a predators win oh yeah and 
Um, Portland was pretty pretty good, but Boulder, Boulder. Yeah. If I do the road trip again, I think I'm just gonna grab an Airbnb for like a month in Boulder and just yeah. play every day. That's that's. I mean, that's what Cody when he went out there with Wanyama was telling me. I think they went to Denver though. No, they went to Boulder. Uh, Bo- Boulder, Boulder, Boulder. Mm-hmm. Builder. Um, and I have a few friends that live out there I've met through just playing and like the, they just talk it up and like but that's because like it's weird now that we're doing like this online thing right it's almost like digital mm-hmm. busking in a way like when you're busking right. you're in a different mindset of playing and I remember even when I first met you you were doing a spot in Chardon like all the time yeah um, and that's a weird it's an interesting mindset of playing to get into because you're really trying to catch the attention of someone passing by so you got like or someone's scrolling by now so you really got like a second or two to really draw them in somehow and like right. and then like for someone who's watching that second or two may have been like it's it's weird what works and what doesn't work and i don't think there's a wrong or right way to do it but there's definitely yeah. a mindset you get into of accepting. i found a great spot and i'm not gonna reveal it because yeah. i don't want people to but i'll tell you what works for me is I busk next to an ice cream shop that's yes. got tables outside. So people come, they buy ice cream, they sit down with their kids. There's a bunch of benching right nearby. So people are sitting and while they're eating their ice cream, they listen. Yeah. And a lot of people will throw me a tip after they sit and listen for 10, 15 minutes. And uh, a lot of people have little kids. And if I get their little kids dancing, hey. that's a dollar. That's a dollar. And, and it's not even about the dollar. It just warms my heart when I get little kids dancing to my music. That is the most pure expression of joy that I can find. Definitely. And little kids will do the exact opposite too. If they do not dig it, they'll be like, that's not baby shark. You're doing it wrong. You know, they're not afraid to tell you, you know, nothing and your life experience. You're like 30, you're 40, you're 50, 60, 10 years of what you've been doing does not matter because you are not doing baby shark right. They have no, no fear of confronting you on that or like an adult's like, They've spent some time. I don't want to tell them they're, you know what I mean? There's, but. Yeah, I had a, I was doing a show recently on Facebook Live and uh, it turned out my niece, she is three, she was in the audience Aww. and uh, she requested me to play the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic theme song. That's awesome. So I had to learn that one real quick. I think I might just add that to my repertoire. That's sick. You knock out <laughs> But I do the Pokemon like... theme song and that always yeah. goes over Nice. Uh-huh. That's awesome. I know the second verse and everything. Yeah. Can you do the Pokemon And the key rap? change? Uh, it's actually, I've been listening to it on repeat yes. since lockdown started. It's going to happen. Because I want to do it. That's going to be amazing. That's going to be the best day ever. <laughs> you got to make a video of that for sure, just by itself. Well, <laughs> well that's, you like got this, like, ever since, I forget when, when we went over, but I remember hanging out with you once and like, you were just call people were calling off tunes and you're just knocking them out. You didn't have a piece of paper in front of you. Like I I, I very to, rarely play with a set list. Like or not even just a set list, like a, a, a lyric sheet for like tunes you're covering. Like I I have to have a little tablet with words cuz my memory I I called Leah before or I called you before Leah. It clearly isn't like on <laughs> par with just like everything going on. But like 
you just knock stuff out and you got this song bank and it's just impressive. Like, do you, is that kind of how you ingrain it? Do you listen to tunes over and over again? Is there like a, yeah, I mean, I listened to so many records, you know, burned holes in my records and cassettes and, yeah, I listen to the whole album and then later on I'll go, oh, I want to learn this song and then I'll listen to it on repeat and I already know it in the context of the album. So yeah. I tend to know, you know, and I listen to Bob Dylan records a lot Yeah, and learn the words to that. And There's that is the best way to practice learning words because Dylan's got a bazillion words, even just on Highway 61. Yeah. <laughs> and that's... A, that's but yeah, a- I can do a busking set for... You know, I've gone four hours without repeating a song in a busking set without a set list. That's insane. That's awesome. That's definitely <laughs> that's definitely the work put in, man, and it comes out. And for busking as much as you can't, like as much as you have, like it's such a it's such a tricky mindset that's off putting to a lot of people because there's not that response right away. You know what I mean? There's not that immediate reaction because. In a way, you're kind of playing in your own realm and you're just doing this thing and people choose to come or not come just like digitally like we're doing now. And like for some people, it's and even now, like trying to get accustomed to playing digital and not hearing that applause right away or not seeing that reaction or that reaction being <laughs> delayed. It's such a mindset a di- change that people are learning. And like you've kind of come ready for that with all your training of it. <laughs> like, Yeah, I – I think so. It's a little different than, you know, I haven't had a job in the summer in the last three years because busking has paid me so well. That's awesome. Uh, And it's kind of tough right now because I'm looking at this summer, I'm not going to get to go busking probably. Yeah. And so that pretty steady source of income is gone. And now I've come ready to do the digital thing. And I feel like I've kind of established myself as a leader in it, uh, even, you know, through the open mic nights that I've been going to, I've hit open mic nights everywhere. And, uh, and now I host one and that's been really fun. But what I've noticed is I'm just another guy on the internet with a guitar now. I try to do the Game Boy thing to be a little different, but all the musicians are playing here now. It's different than if I'm the one guy who goes down on the street corner. You know, yeah, you got a point for sure. So I feel like it's harder to be, it's harder to set yourself apart yeah. in this environment. So I am just trying everything I can to do it. Well, I think you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hit a home run for sure, especially with like this this Game Boy thing. Yeah, fingers crossed as well, because like. You, you've always been innovative and there's going to be, you're going to hit it out of the park with something, my friend, for sure. And like, I hope so. i real hard. There's a, the quote Joe Strummer, there's enough room in this world for everyone's music to fill like a stadium, be it Creed or Miley Cyrus. So, and we can both have that, we can have that concert at the queue two nights away from each other and it will still pack up. You know what I mean? There's enough room for right. everyone to do their thing. It's just what innovative ways attention is brought to it is going to come. Um, the kind of what landed the guitar into your hands? What started you on this musical journey? Right. So when I was in the fifth grade, I joined the choir at my school and that yeah. kind of set it off. And then um, my family moved to Chardon when I was 12. Yeah. And right around then, um, 
we had a drum kit and my mom had wanted to learn to play the drums. And then once oh, she got cool. the drum kit, she yeah. didn't want to learn to play the drums. anymore. <laughs> so, uh, so one of us kids had to learn to do it. So I got signed up for drum lessons oh. and, uh, that was at roadhouse music in Middlefield. rest in peace, roadhouse music. Miss you. Yep. Me and Thanks Leo. John Mark. He's still my setup guy for my yeah. guitar. Nice. Uh, but I took three years of drum lessons from age of 12 to 15. And then somewhere around when I was 14, I, uh, my dad had a keyboard and I started learning some songs on the keyboard, learning my chords. Uh, I think the first song I learned on the keyboard was Desperado by the Eagles. Usually it's Imagine. So that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, and I started learning the piano because I wanted to write words, you know, yeah. it's fine to play the drums, but you can't be a leader of a band with just the drums unless you're Phil Collins. And I'm not Phil Collins. No, so, Phil Collins, Phil Collins, Phil Collins. Is so, I, Phil Collins. <laughs> so I started picking up piano to try to write some songs. And then I asked my dad, he'd been playing guitar in a band since uh, like 1982, which was a cover. band. So right? I asked him, uh, he was in an original hair metal band in high school in the nice. 80s. What was it called? Do you got it? Do you got it? It's called Hellion. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I asked my dad around that time, hey, will you teach me to play guitar? And he said, fuck no, you weren't a good drum student at all. You're not going to be a good guitar student at all either. I'm not going to put the time in to teach you to play guitar. Damn. So... Uh, so I had to show him. Yeah. I went downstairs one night and I was just determined. I wanted to be a guitarist. So I sat down, I picked up, he had an Alvarez. I picked up his Alvarez, beautiful guitar and, uh, learned how to play my first song there that night. What was it? Um, Do you remember? It was turn the page by Bob Seger, a song I still cover once in a while. And, uh, yeah, my first time I sat down with a guitar, I played my first song. That's insane. Really, I'm still learning songs and playing them just the same way I did that night. Was there something that clicked more with um, guitar than piano? Um, Portability made it a lot more feasible. Definitely. I remember a week after I did that, after I first picked up that guitar, uh, I... uh, one of my other gigs is I uh, work as the announcer at a go-kart track at Thompson Kart Raceway. What? That's Thompson, awesome. Ohio. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, I've loved auto racing since I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, around that time, between the ages of 12 to 15, when we moved out here to Chardon, which was like 15 minutes from the track, uh, I was a kart racer. My dad and I were kart racers together. And uh, so I remember... We had a night race. We were doing a doubleheader Saturday night, and then Sunday during the day we were doing races. So That's a bunch cool. of us spent the night at the track, and my dad brought his guitar. And I said, here, let me pick that thing up. And uh, the girl I was dating and her mom were there with us. And At our little campfire, I played Turn the Page, and my dad was like, oh, no, <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> this is going to be trouble. That's awesome, so though. Then, so you got to show him. You're like, I got it down. Who's a guitar student yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, so then that year for Christmas, 
um, they bought me my first guitar. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's the guitar that's sitting next to me here today. So it's a, it's a little worse for wear, but wearing it well, to quote yeah. back. Ba-boom. What was it? Now, so, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, that's, um, that's cool. Well, that had that had to be a nerve-wracking first, like, pickup as far as playing in front of people. Like, to me, I always had problem. I never had really a problem playing a mic night with people I've just met, right? But I have had a problem with playing with, like, a family member or someone I'm going to see for the rest of my life. Or, like, in your case, uh, your current girlfriend, you know what I mean? There's that, the whole, mm-hmm. like, even though they're the people that care, to me, that always, like, was like, oh, that's the scariest part. <laughs> like, Yeah, she was a long-distance girlfriend, too. She came a long way to watch me yeah. race. Wow, we're yeah. from... Uh, she was down in Columbus, okay. which is a long distance when you're 15 and don't yeah, drive. Sure, definitely, super long distance, and yeah. there's no biking for that one. No, <laughs> uh-uh. not biking to any Indians game. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. So and like, so piano. I mean, even it's played differently, right? And you still kind of dabble with it. I'd imagine, like, with programming. And yeah, like, a little bit. I got. I've got a little keyboard here sitting next to me that I use a lot when I'm working on my Game Boy because I can see the notes there a lot easier than on the guitar. Yeah, because I was, I was talking to Sean Brewster about it, actually. Like, we were talking about how piano, when you look at it, when you look down on it, you can see all the notes laid out and you can see how music works in a really clear way. And um, with guitar, it's kind of like... I, I did. I threw a metaphor of like looking at the roadmap of notes on a guitar as like being in the city and looking at each block. You know what I mean? You move <laughs> yeah, from spot to like spot. It's like Washington D.C. And then <laughs> looking at a piano is like being on a hill and seeing all those blocks from afar. You can see where everything yeah. falls. And That's like, a good analogy. Thanks. Um, and like, so doing what you're doing with programming, I can see how that like, or composing that way, I can see how that's much easier to work like that. But like. As far as like expression, to me, like guitar is like e- way easier to hand. I don't know, but um, yeah, you can bend notes and you can slide notes. You can't do that on a piano. Yeah, and you can. You just gotta have a specific piano to do it, and I don't wheelie one <laughs> or some piano chops for sure to figure it out. I don't, yeah, that's, that's another thing with piano. Like I've been working on over quarantine, learning how to play more pieces. But that mm-hmm. being, where do you start? It's either you go by the book. Like another, it was interesting because Leah started with piano too and started when she was 12 as well, which I don't, that's been like the magic number with all these interviews here is a lot of people start writing and being musical at 12. And I'm like, where was I? <laughs> like, that's amazing. <laughs> like I was the most boring 12 year old ever. I was playing <laughs> Pokemon cards and Dragon Ball Z. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was doing both of those things too, but. I like, uh, but I, I don't know. So it's it's just an interesting kind of overall comparison. It means nothing really, but it's just stuff that's been sticking out to me. Now, when did the Postman name come along? Uh, I started using the name Postman. Uh, so my real last name is Karsick, K-A-R-C-I-C, Karsick, which is a pretty bad name if you're, especially if you're a race car driver. Oh, yeah, uh, I guess that makes sense, yeah. (laughs) So, and it's hard to spell, too. So I wanted to pick a name that was going to be really easy to spell, and I went with Postman. Um, I came up with it when I was a sophomore in college. 
I was going to Kent State University, never graduated from there. Haven't graduated at all, except for uh, I have two associate's degrees. Thanks, Lakeland. Uh, But uh, yeah, I wanted something that was easier to spell. And I made that little envelope logo because it's instantly recognizable and really easy to draw for graffiti. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) I I played my first show as Postman at stone tavern in kent the old that one was the, new one? the old one nice that's the best one yeah right there on on 59 and uh yeah that was around august or september or october of 2013 so i guess the postman name is like six and a half years old and uh there's a couple meanings behind the name postman uh three of them that caused me to say yeah that's a pretty good name for me okay uh, the first one's kind of a joke uh when i was a kid i didn't really look like either one of my parents um uh, i've kind of started to look more like my paternal grandfather yeah uh, we really noticed it when i was in a high school production in my drama club where i wore a bald cap and a mustache <laughs> that's when it became clear i was a car sick after all uh, <laughs> But when I was a kid, I didn't really look like either of my parents. So there was this ongoing joke that I must be the mailman's baby. Uh, that's, a, that's, <laughs> so, that's, that's an awesome tie. Okay, that's one. Two. So that's one. Two is uh, I'm a big fan of Nintendo, if you haven't noticed. Uh, and one of my favorite games is The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask for the Nintendo 64. Classic. And... I remember very clearly the first time I played that game that I, if you go on day three at the end of the game, when the moon's about to crash into the earth, if you go to the post office, you can find the postman. (laughs) And throughout the game, you've been shown that he's this hardworking fella and he's really committed to his schedule and he won't miss his schedule for anything. And if you catch him at the end of the game as the moon is falling, you find out that he's written himself a letter and mailed it to himself and delivered it to himself. And he has received it from himself. (laughs) And the letter is urging him, you know, your life is more important than your schedule. You need to skip town so you don't get killed if the moon falls. And he reads this, but he still just can't convince himself to leave town to save his life. And he's on his bed and he's just weeping. And that image really affected me. I loved that character development for him. And then as you play through the game, you get to save him. And later on, after I had taken on the Postman moniker, I played through Majora's Mask again. And saving the Postman was one of the most satisfying things I ever (laughs) did in a video game. You get to watch him, like, skip out of town. He's so psyched. Man, that's Uh, such, like, an existential, like, philosophical thing this character, like, a side character in this game goes through. Because I played uh that game, too, and I completely forgot about that until hearing you rehash it. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's such a, like, deep, a deep movement, like, a deep character development for this character in this game. That's insane. Yeah, strong enough to influence me to take this name. But there's a third reason, and this one's the real reason I went with Postman. Uh, I am very interested in science and technology, 
mathematics. I was an engineering student getting straight A's for a couple of years there before, you know, heartbreak set in. But uh, I, uh, I envision a future. All right. So here's the whole story. Uh, when I was down uh, at Kent State yeah. around winter of 2012, uh, I tried marijuana for the first time. And uh, my buddy, our yeah. dealer, invited us over. We went over there and we visited. And he says to us, hey, you guys, I just saw this awesome video and I want to talk to you guys about it. I think that we could be the first immortal generation. Whoa. <laughs> he said that technology and biotech and genetic engineering could allow us to be biologically immortal. Um, telomere lengthening solutions might cause aging to stop. You know, yeah. you'll, uh, you'll stay basically the same biological age you are when you go through the therapy, when it becomes available. And so this guy told me, yeah, I think I'm going to start trying to live healthier so that I can get to see that day and live forever. And that conversation that we had uh, just totally shaped my whole next like three years of Whoa. becoming more interested in science as a major. I ended up switching to biotech the next semester uh, as my major and then uh, started reading a lot of science fiction, particularly Isaac Asimov is probably my favorite author. Uh, Carl Sagan's a big, yeah. big influence on me and Robert Heinlein. And uh, I started to wonder if we do approach this biological immortality, is that an evolution of man? And will we even be mankind anymore? Will we become something else? Yeah. And I thought of a name for that. Yeah. And that name was postman. The post oh. is the post is not male. It's wow. it's a prefix. It means yeah. after after man. That's, what will we become? Whoa, that's sick. That is that is a really cool like because you got that you got that career, but that's wow. Because like your friend has a point. There's so much there's so much development of technology going on that could be a thing. And like who's to say that humans aren't the single cell organism of uh, you know what I mean how maybe we're just the multi-cell thing that becomes the next evolution which is the bigger the robotic cell you know why yeah. why do we make this technology and all this stuff is it just us evolving to that just like how the single cell became like a multi-cell and the biology stuff I can't remember right now yeah but, the shape of the universe on a macro scale yeah looks almost identical to the shape of the universe on the micro scale for bacteria and cells and you know and even the atomic model you know the the way that planets revolve around stars and uh stars revolve around basically black holes at the center of galaxies looks just like protons with electrons orbiting around them yeah that is mind-blowing and that is my the whole like rotation of like electrons and how they disappear and reappear and how you really can't track it is also mind-blowing like i I'm a I kind of the more I went to school and learned stuff I'm like learning sick this is so much cool this is so much fun I like knowing about things and like 
Because it leads to thought-provoking conversations like that, which leads to thought-provoking art like post-man. That's amazing. I could not have thought of a better like explanation for that in my wildest dreams. That is insane. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I wanted something that had a lot of layers to it. That definitely so does. And it can expand so much more. The more stuff grows and the more you learn about it and the more you meet people that are doing things about it. And it's a sick name for just even a, a band, too. Like Postman and the Lab <laughs> Techs makes so much more sense now. Which, mm-hmm. So to kind of like rope it into that, when did you go from playing um, Turn the Page by yourself to writing your own music and playing in groups because you have like three albums and a couple singles on Spotify. Um, or is it, it's two. No, it's I've three. got, I've got one full length album. Yeah. I've Maybe. got an EP that I made instead of destroying myself. And Which I've got like a couple singles I've songs. put out since then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the big emo one. I listen to a whole lot of emo stuff. Yeah. Uh, Spotify recently told me I'm in the top 1% of listeners to the band Senses Fail. <laughs> you were talking about that. That's awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. Let It Unfold You is such a good album. Wow. <laughs> uh, but um, when did it go from you by yourself to bands? When did that take place? Was this about the same time you met up with Leah and you guys were running those shows? Or um, was this something or is this kind of how you guys met? Uh, Leah and I met when we were in high school together and she became the guitarist for the show choir that I was in free okay. harmony sharp oh, okay. ice. And, uh, so we ended up becoming friends through that. And then, you know, we hung out a little bit. We ended up going to this show together for this band called care. They were originally from Burton, Ohio, but by that point they had, uh, moved to, uh, Michigan to Grand Rapids to go to college. Well, before they went off, they had started a little festival on Chardon Square called Love Fest. Yeah, yeah. And Leah and I went to this show after they had hosted the first two Love Fests. And it was their album release party for their first album, Yellow Trumpet Comforter Swan, uh, which was one of the big, big albums that got me mobilized into having any interest in local music yeah so i have so much i owe so much to those guys justin and josiah majetic from burton ohio um now they're in los angeles and new york city respectively but anyway we went to their album release party and uh leah and i asked hey are you gonna have love fest this year and they said nah we're you know we're really michigan people now and we're not going to be home enough to to work on that yeah and we said well can we steal it and take the name and they said sure it's yours so leah and i hosted love fest for the third year and then i was kind of a schmuck you know i was i was busy being stupid uh and kind of just pushed it off to her and she took it over for the foreseeable future and i'm finally starting to help them out again in fact i just offered her yesterday that if she wants to do a virtual love fest that I would love to help organize that. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, that's how Leah and I became friends. Uh, you had asked how I, how it became a band. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was trying to maybe tie two things together. Maybe like, okay, maybe you met Leah through playing out, 
but it sounds like yeah. it was joint scene because the scene was pretty like Lee, Lee and I were talking like it seems like with the Chardon scene you guys really had to DIY it really do it yourselves and make your own like scene which is really yeah there was cool. nothing here when we got here there was there was like one band that was all seniors uh, when I was a freshman yeah and once they disappeared there was nothing. So, nothing at all and that's, that's exactly uh, what leah said <laughs> there is yeah nothing. we've kind of had to carve a niche for ourselves and uh as evidenced by if you go to leah's love fest man it has grown exponentially for the last like three years it's insane it's, like doubling every year which is just insane if i can uh, like like when i first met you you're playing with thick kevin that's um, right and like Leah, I met Leah at Mahal's opening up for Beams, and she invited me to play this barn show. So, like, I didn't know what to expect, you know, going out to an hour out of my way to play this barn show. I, I expected quite literally how it sounded, a barn show. But I got there, and it was this amazing, there was this well-oiled machine. Like, there was a door guy, there was a guy by the bar, there was a, you know, by the mini fridge, and then you go into this back room of this bar, and, like, it's this amazing, like, stage and there's a sound guy and i was just blown away by the production of of a, sorry did i cut out no nah, i got you okay i was just blown away by this production of this barn show and then every band that went up blew my mind like that was my first time seeing leah as a band seeing you and thick kevin and all his harvest and like i was like this scene's amazing yeah. so did you i think that was my first time playing with all his harvest too yeah Oh, they're they're yeah. so awesome. That guy, that group is so cool. I remember Texas Plant was on that show too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it um? And where they were? F I can't remember where they were from or how they got involved, but they're out of town. Yeah. I don't really know them. That's the only time I've seen them. But their stickers are in every venue around town. I know because it was a cool one with the cactus. But did you start playing with Thick Kevin before you started doing like? I mean, the lab techs came later, but were you playing? Was that like your yeah. first like group playing, or did you play in other yeah. groups? Yeah, so, so I'd been playing solo, and I'd been writing some songs and recording them on a tape deck when I was at Kent, and a little bit before that. But it really started taking off when I was going to Kent State in 2012, 2013, when I put out my first little tape deck EPs as Postman, and then. Uh, my best friend at the time, we had been roommates freshman year, and uh, we were best friends throughout high school. We met in the same show choir where I met Leah, and uh, we got in an argument over over some other friends yeah. getting married to girls that turned out to be cheating, yeah. very not good people, and... Uh, got into an argument over my buddy wasn't going to go to the wedding and yeah. I was the best man at the wedding. Oh man, that's already Turns out my buddy decided he never wanted to speak to me ever again. So that really, really sucked. And I got really, really depressed. I was living on the fifth floor of Liebrich Hall at Kent State University. And I was yeah. waking up every morning, staring down five stories to block a concrete and thinking about jumping out of it. And I decided to move home. Yeah. And uh, when I moved home, I played a little show. Uh, it was actually right in Hamden, which is a township of Chardon, Ohio. And it was, you know, bicycling distance from my house. There's a little Hamden town hall. We rented it out for the night. 
we called it the house show because we couldn't yeah. find a house to host the house show at, so we rented it on hall instead. Uh, Elliot Bokeri, previously mentioned, he played about five songs. Leah played about five songs. And then I played a two-hour set that devolved into just people shouting out random requests and me playing them. And awesome. Josh Burke, the guitarist from Thick Kevin, yeah. he was an old friend of mine. We met in uh, Mr. Zitko's art class at Chardon High School. And uh, he came out to that show. And at that show, he said to me, hey, uh, me and my buddy Ryan are trying to start a band. Uh, they were called uh, Medical Malpractice at the time. They opened a phone book, and that was yeah. what they opened to. And uh, he said, we're looking for a guitarist and a songwriter. Are you interested in trying it out? And I said, okay, sure. So uh, I ended up going over to Ryan's house for the first time. And that's how I met Ryan. And uh, Ryan and I became friends really fast. Yeah. And I started playing with the band. And it was fun. And the problem I ran into was uh, I had a lot of songs already in my catalog. Yeah. And very few of them fit with the vision that Josh, who was really the leader of the project, Josh had a specific vision for Thick Kevin that a lot of my stuff didn't fit into. Almost none of it. So I was looking for an outlet to put this stuff out and ended up starting the Postman group. And when it came time, I said, you know, it's time I put an album out. And uh, I really, in 2016, when I decided it was time... I put together the band to make the album. The first time that band played together was the first session for my album Beakers. Uh, we recorded it on a Tascam 488 Porta Studio, in uh, which is a tape cassette machine. Yeah. Uh, we recorded it in Ryan's kitchen, much to his dismay. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he offered the kitchen. Yeah. I just took his offer. He, uh, but cool yeah, the first time too. the Lab Techs ever got together, we didn't have a name yet. Uh, Clayton and Ryan had just met probably like a month or two before that. I had brought Clayton out to a couple of the bonfires at Ryan's house. And uh, the first time they played together was that that night we recorded uh, we recorded Caught Up, which you can hear on the album, that it's session. Still one of my favorite tunes of yours. Thanks. Like and then we also head. recorded Snap Out of It that night, which we ended up re-recording better, but those sessions still exist. All those tapes are still in Ryan's closet at his house. Yeah, just waiting. waiting. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how the Lab Techs got started, is I needed a band to play on my my album, and I knew Ryan through Thick Kevin, and I knew he was a great bassist, and I knew Clayton from... Uh, once I got back from Kent and was really depressed, I started hanging out at the ledges for two or three summers. And uh, I met Clayton playing guitar around campfires, and he was carrying a djembe around. And that's how we became quick friends. You know, it seemed like anything I put down, he could pick up. That's awesome. So, well, that, that's it's sweet. definitely a tight crew for sure on the record with those two guys yeah. following you. Yeah, that? and I think, uh, you know, we don't practice very much. Usually before a show, we get together like two or three times just to brush up. But uh, that's what I love about those guys is, you know, if I don't see them for a long time, we come back and it's like nothing changed. That's well, 
I think it's interesting when you find a group you can musically meld with, there's something with personalities that melds with that too. Like there's something with an overall relationship that is, it's weird, especially if it's like a songwriting partner or whatever type of partner. It's just, it clicks and no matter the distance of time that is between you two, like it just seems like it, that, that was never there. So that's yeah. awesome. We don't that's believe really cool. in time. <laughs> We're not time. into time. <laughs> time what was it cool man so and then well everything that would i guess came up to now but um and i know you've you've definitely checked out some of the virtual shows yeah and like that experience is really cool and i think from what you've been doing you're gonna like i because i've i did the second one and like i don't know right. it's such a it's a the zoom thing and you do you you moderate it. You do this on your own. It's such a cool community, and to be able to bring it in and like, I yeah, don't know. I had never used Zoom before lockdown, and yeah. then, uh, and then I heard Meg Stepko was hosting her Manic Monday open mic night on there, and I was dreadful that I wasn't going to get to go to any open mic nights during lockdown. Yeah, because that's like that's my bread and butter, busking and open mic nights. I just love, and. uh so when Meg said she was hosting this open mic night, I was like, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to try this Zoom thing. And I loved it right away. And I couldn't wait for another week for her to host the next one. So then I just started searching Facebook for other people who were hosting Zoom open mic nights to see if anybody else had had the idea. And as it turned out, I found a few. Yeah. So now I've been to open mic nights in Cleveland. <sighs> Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, and twice now I've been to different boroughs of London, England. Whoa, how's that? As far as like a crowd, do they do they pick up on like this guy's from out of town type deal? Like if you're actually there, and like is it like? Uh, I'm definitely the only person who says y'all in that group. <laughs> y'all playing good now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, they've all got these British accents, but they yeah. still make fun of Cockneys. <laughs> well, is it musically, is it similar to what you would find here? Like, is there like the 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 Megan Stefka of England and like the Leah Mara and the Dave the Dave Ziggy of England? Like, are you seeing these weird character traits? You're like, you're the you're the D Deprater of of England. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, uh, there's. There's some people that stick out for sure. Yeah, especially yeah. the hosts. Yeah. The hosts all really interesting characters. Uh, and awesome. one of the big takeaways from it is uh, I, I think I was the first person really doing this, jumping around. Yeah. Because I jumped into these groups and I was, you know, people were kind of flabbergasted. Like, whoa, there's a guy from Cleveland, Ohio, in my group in Phoenix, Arizona. This yeah. is weird. And now we kind of have this little league of open mic night hosts building up That's where awesome. uh, we all go to each other's shows to cross promote. And now a bunch of the crew from Meg's show is coming to my show on Tuesdays. And... Going, oh, so on Mondays we're going to Meg's show. And then on Tuesdays in the afternoon, we go to uh, Alan's show in Wisconsin. Yeah. And my show's on Tuesday evening. Like eight? And then on, yeah, that's right. Eight Eastern eight Standard Time, important to note in For this sure. environment. 
Uh, and on Wednesdays, I've got like four different open mic nights I can hit on Wednesday. So cool. So different people who I've met at these different groups have started showing up at each other's open mic nights and becoming fans of each other and influencing each other. For example, I went to Meg's open mic night this Monday and Jared from Phoenix and yeah. uh, Rachel, they play in a band together called A Casual Divorce. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is great. They came out on Monday night and they played and they heard me play. Well, I played this new song that's not out yet. It's called Inner Rookery. But I've been distributing some of my crappy demos to people to just play test them and let yeah. me know which songs I should re-record in high quality. Well, I played that song on Monday night and then sent them the demo because they were interested. So then I show up at my open mic night on Tuesday and sure enough, Jared and Rachel, a casual divorce, show up and cover my <laughs> song. Which is amazing. That's so cool. It was cool. so cool. I mean, they did it with harmonies. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just played it on guitar. They played it on keyboard and guitar in a different key and everything. Uh, That's. I didn't even know what to say. I kind of still don't know what yeah. to say. That's so, that has to be so flattering. And like, yeah. that's the beauty of, even though we're locked down, there's a way to expand and reach out. And I think after all this is done and we're able to go to Kelly's pub, there's these, these virtual webs we weave are still going to be as relevant and, and meaningful as the realist, the, the reality webs we weave in like the people we meet and see in real life. Not that the, yeah. this is in real life, this is real life, but you know what I mean? Like, I think uh, this, this medium is going to meld in with what we're doing. And if you don't have streamed, and real mic night? What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if you don't have the stream party after your real mic night, what's going on here? And <laughs> I think it's like one day, one of these days when I don't have to do a bunch of video lessons, I'm going to hop on and follow you and go on a mic night tour with you when I get my Zoom the sound rakes. Like seeing <laughs> you bounce all over the world and seeing what Meg's doing and being a part of it for a little bit has been super expiring, inspiring and it's been super fun just to be yeah, around I our friends again. <laughs> But, um, I keep saying I've always wanted to tour the world, but I never had the time or money to do it. And now I have all the time and it's free to do it. So I'm doing it. And I'm excited because I'm making a lot of friends all over, especially yeah. all over America. I've been really successful at finding people across America. And now a lot of those people have been saying, hey, once uh, this lockdown's over, when you're coming across the country, we want you to stop by. We want you to play a show with us. And if you need a place to crash, you can crash on our couch. So I'm using this to build a web of places that I can couch surf for my national tours. Which is awesome. Which makes it so much more feasible because then I don't have to pay for hotels. And that's so expensive. And there's there's like a thing when you play, when you go to a th out of town and you're going to meet up with someone you have a relationship with or there's like – the, the project, they put more effort into helping that show become a thing. And, like, the outcome of it, even if it's, like, a DIY venue, is such a, a more fulfilling experience. I was talking with the Dream Masons about playing DIY venues. And, like, that's that's such a vital thing that means so much, even though it can be, like, in the dingiest of places. and like Right. So, yeah, have you been to the shop? Yes. I've seen yeah. those play a few shows there. Favorite. I know they burn their shit before they play. And like, <laughs> yeah, I always, I wrote a Facebook review for it. I said, uh, I said, I only got hit by one firework last time I was there. 
but that's not true anymore. Yeah. Actually, last time I was there, I got hit by nine. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, they're crazy. It was a good night. Yeah, we played last show. Sea Levels played like a handful of shows there, maybe like four or five. And like the last one we did, with, I remember it was with the Pizza Creeps, and it was the best response we got there. Like it was like yeah. the current lineup with Pat on drums and like, it was just an amazing night, and the place was bonkers. Everyone was yeah. crazy there, and it was the coolest experience ever. So it's a bummer yeah. they're no longer doing shows, but it's cool they're recording people now. Yeah, we played a show there uh, where we followed the Pizza Creeps, and it was the Halloween show. Oh, sick. And uh, so the Pizza Creeps ended their set with a heavy metal cover of Pour Some Sugar On Me. <laughs> yeah. During which they poured a five-pound bag of sugar all over themselves, the oh, stage, no. and the audience. Yeah. So me and Ryan and Clayton got up on that stage, and every step was like <laughs> our shoes sticking to the floor. It was disgusting. Uh, and then every time, you know, you touch your face and you taste sugar, and you'd be like, ugh, hygiene. Yeah, ugh. This has been on this this stage, which definitely has not been mopped, or maybe has, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Well, Brandon, thanks so much for hanging out, man. I think this was a real good uh, a real good talk. Do you feel good about it? Yeah. Cool, cool. And we got. Yeah, I had a real good time. Likewise, man. We got May fifteenth, eight p.m. virtual shows. You and Leah Mara. Do you know? Is that what I am? <laughs> I think so. <laughs>